0: Hey there, this is Pastor John Ware, lead pastor of LifeHouse Newport News, a church that exists to help all people experience life change through Christ. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. We hope it inspires you and gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. Now let's get to today's episode. I'm so excited and, and, and glad to... To be here finishing up our our uh, Christianese series has this been a blessing to anybody? Yes. Amen, amen. Stuff that Christians say. So we talked about the gospel, we talked about being a disciple, prayer, tithing, and this morning we're going to talk about redemption and restoration. Amen. Redemption and restoration. That sounds real Christian, Christian like. Yes, that sounds real holy and Christianese. Yes. So what in the world is that? Let's see. Redemption is redemption means to gain or regain possession of something in exchange for a payment while restoration means to repair or renovate or return someone or something to its former condition, place, or position. These two words are oftentimes used in regard to what Christ has done for us Sin came into the world by one man, Adam, when he had uh, committed sin against God in the Garden of Eden when they ate the fruit and resulting in spiritual death for them as well as everyone else coming after them, but also a broken relationship with God. Jesus is also known as the sacrificial lamb of God and the shedding of his blood at the cross is payment for our sins. And so in essence, Jesus has redeemed us or bought back or regained us by the payment of his blood at the cross and now has restored or repaired or returned our relationship back with God to where it was prior to sin. Amen. So that, in essence, is redemption and restoration. Now, the church are partakers of this Redemption and restoration, but also are ministers of this very same thing to those who do not know Jesus as Lord. These two things are at the heart of what the Great Commission actually is. And for that reason, and that reason only, does the church exist? But it's hard, it's hard to go out there and minister redemption and restoration. When somebody hurts you, or we're broken inside, or we've been disappointed by other people. It's hard when we're repulsed by someone else's addiction or their shortcoming. We naturally want to push them away, but God says that we need to redeem and to restore. Amen? Because that is the very thing that God did for us through Christ. So let's look at Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. When I get the scripture up here on the <laughs> amen. It's behind me? All right. I couldn't see it up here on the board. Well, look, it says, brothers, if anyone, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Somebody say gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Amen. Let's have a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity, Lord God, to be in your presence, Lord. Lord, as we open up our hearts and our minds to you, Lord God, we pray, Father, that you would just plant your word, Lord God, into our spirits this morning. Lord God, change us, Lord God, bring us and draw us in closer to you, Lord God, that we may understand your heart. In the redemption and restoration that you have provided for us, we love you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Somebody said restore, restore. In, gentleness. in gentleness. In gentleness. Now look, this we have to remember this because look, at the at the heart of restoration and redemption is the heart of the Father. It's not just the things that God does, but the things that God does is because of who He is. And if we're seeking after the thing that God does, if we're seeking His hand, then we miss the greater gift, which is His, his heart, which is who He is. Amen. God, if we, but if we catch the person of who God is, then that's when we understand the relationship of who it is that He is. Then that is where the joy comes in. That is where the wonder of restoration. That's the where the the peace that we have and the eternal life that comes from being in relationship with God and not just seeking the things that God would do for us. Amen. So we have to remember the heart of the father, because if we forget this, that we too have been forgiven. When we see somebody else that's caught up in their sin, their stuff all in the street, we can easily rise up in self righteousness, right? As if we're the ones that, 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 If we're the ones that have saved ourselves, if we're the ones that have cleaned up ourselves, we have to remember the heart of the father and what he's done for us such that we may in fact restore and redeem other folks as well. And be a witness of God's love and God's the freedom that God has made available to us through Christ. This brings us to our story today about Jesus and the woman in the well familiar story found in john 4 jesus had just healed somebody on the previous day on the sabbath and there was a whole bunch of commotion and while everybody went home jesus had went up to pray and now he is in galilee he's in galilee and he stops by a popular well called jacob's well and his disciples are gone and jesus is thirsty he needed something to drink and he encounters this samaritan woman And he asked her for something to drink. Now, what's interesting about Jesus talking to this woman is that Samaritans and Jews didn't get along. This is because Jews thought themselves to be better than the Samaritans since they were full-blooded Jews or Hebrews. So they oftentimes looked down on the Samaritans and did not revere them, did not respect them. So it's interesting that Jesus would speak to her. But after he asked her for water, he then goes and says, well, if you knew who it was you were talking to, if you knew the gift of God, you actually would ask me for water and I give you living water. That brings us to our scripture in John chapter four, verse 13. And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here and draw water. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, I am fully known and fully loved. Come on now, now let's face it here. The creator knows who we are. He knows who we are and he knows what we have all done. The good, the bad, and yes, the ugly, right? And see, sometimes we think that he either really doesn't know us or we think that if he did know us, that he wouldn't actually want us. I mean, I can remember thinking many times internally. After all of the things I've done and who it is that I am and how dark my heart is, how why in the world would anybody want me, especially God? So we put up walls, we push people away, or we put them on the front hoping that no one ever really, truly gets to know us. And that's because our sin produces shame. And shame makes us want to run and hide. It's the very thing that Adam and Eve did once they had sinned against God. They made clothes out of fig leaves, and then they went and they hid from the Lord. But God doesn't love the way that we do. God's thoughts are not our thoughts, and his ways are above our ways. And in fact, Jesus says, come and follow me. The first thing he does, is says that, and then he says, come and learn of me. And as we grow in relationship with God, we seem to find out that God is extremely different than who we thought he actually was. Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? This is why you have to. This is why relationship with God is so important. We have to experience God for ourselves. It can't be about what your mother said God is or who your friend said God is. But you have to find out who God is. yourself, And when you do, you find out that an encounter with the one true living God will not only change your life as it would this lady that is at the well. But once you find out who the truth of who God is, his love will draw you in and his love will set you free and give you love and peace and a joy that you've never experienced before. That all comes through relationship with the father. So let's get into this. First of all, Jesus encounters her. Now, when we're stuck in our sin and we're done something that we don't want anybody to know, the last thing we want someone to know is God. But Jesus goes straight for the heart. He's a straight shooter. He encounters her and he addresses her sin. He says he why? Because first of all, he cannot deny who he is. Right. But instead, he moves to redeem her. When Jesus approaches the Jordan in chapter one of John, We see here that John the Baptist says, here, behold, everyone, the Lamb of God who comes to take the sins of the world away. Redemption starts with addressing the thing that separates us from God. Jesus didn't state this to shame her, but but to deal with it. Amen. Let's look at John chapter 4, 19 through 20. Let's go a little further. The woman said to him, oh, I, I skipped the part. I, I, skipped, I skipped the part. So Jesus says to her in verse 13, <clears throat> Jesus said, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty. The water that I will give him will be in him a spring of water welling up into eternal life the woman said to him give me this water so that I will not be thirsty and I would not have to come here and draw water Jesus said to her okay well go call your husband and come here the woman answered him and said I have no husband Jesus said to her you are right it's saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. Somebody this morning was like, "Man, five! Ooh, Jesus!" And the one you have now is not your husband. Hmm. And what you have said is true. So, Jesus speaks directly to where this woman is he also goes on and and right after that she says sir she says uh, verse 19 the woman said to him sir i perceive that you are a prophet well i guess so after jesus just read her mail (laughs) i mean how you know how in the world did you know i've been had five husbands and the one i was with i mean we would do the same thing if jesus went and told if Jesus read, our mail too, amen? She said, I perceive that you are a prophet. And it says, our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Now, at this point, she didn't know what this living water was that Jesus was talking about, but she knew that it was better than the thing that she had been running to. But isn't Jesus better than what we've been running to? I mean, our culture teaches us to get more, have more, get more so you can do more. Our culture teaches us that we pursue, get the best job you can get so you can get some money, some cars, some possessions, get some power and some achievement, and then you'll be satisfied and you'll live a good and merry life. But all of those things really truly can't satisfy the God-sized hole in our heart that only God himself can fill. She recognized the power of God within him and perceives him to be a prophet, but doesn't actually know that he was actually the son of God. I mean, has God ever sent someone to speak specifically to you about something in your life that you know there's no way they could have known that? I'm not talking about Facebook stalking, okay? I'm talking about an actual God moment. God knows exactly how to get to us. And here, her curiosity is piqued. Notice how the conversation just changed. She went from, it went from talking about water and and, and asking about how I can get some water to now a conversation uh, about an age-old dispute between Jews and Samaritans on, on, on where worship should take place. So let's go to verse 25. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to him, to her, excuse me, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with the woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar. Somebody say left her water jar. And went into the town. And said to the people. Come and see a man that told me all I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Or in the King James it says. Is this not the Christ? Then they went out of the town. And were coming to him. Jesus reveals that he is the Christ to her. I mean like. Some of us, some of us are surprised when they find out that the guy with the jean jacket and the, uh, and the Jordans on most of the time in the lobby is the senior pastor. I mean, think about it. Pastor John be out there in the lobby just talking, just with everybody, and then when they, then all of a sudden he comes up here and preaching. and then people are like, "That's the pastor. I just finished telling him all my business." Can you imagine how she felt? Who is this man asking me for water? We don't even talk to you. Oh, you Jesus! <laughs> My bad. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but notice she never. She never says another word to him she believes and instantly her life is changed. And in verse 28, it tells us that she left her water pot and went into the city redeemed and restored. She came in with an empty water pot, but she left with a full heart, overflowing with joy and love and everlasting life. Look at what happens to her. This is what freedom is like. She goes back and she tells every single person about Jesus that she could could find. You ever been so excited about something that you told people? You don't even know that's the kind of excitement that she had her life had totally changed in that one single moment and that's what happens when we encounter the one true living God our life is forever changed what it is that God has given us that experience it is when your sins are lifted away and your sin is replaced with the love and restoration of God. is the lightest feeling in the world. It is the best feeling in the world. It is when you finally know that God loves you for who it is that you are and not because of what it is that you have done. Oh, you can clap for that. She told every single person she could find. She left a mouthpiece for God. She came with an empty pot looking for water. She left a mouthpiece for God. She came with an empty pot, but she left an ambassador of the kingdom restored. Now, the funny thing here is that, look at what the disciples. Look at the disciples. They said The scripture says that, that they were surprised. Somebody say surprised. They were surprised that he was talking to a woman. Now, a life was just saved. A life was just saved, but they were surprised. They totally missed what in the world was just happening, that this woman's life just changed. Why? Because they were thinking about their customs. They were thinking about their customs because Jesus was a rabbi. And see, rabbis were forbidden to talk to women in public by the town their civil and ceremonial law. Nor could they instruct them in public. So when they see Jesus talking to the woman, they instantly think about their laws and their customs and they don't think about what Jesus was actually doing. We have to be careful of our traditions because our traditions can sometimes get in the way. We need to be careful not to lose sight of what's actually really important. I grew up dressing up to go to church wearing Sunday's best. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Grew up, you had to put on your nice shirt, you had to put on your slacks, and you had to put on your church shoes. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody had in here had some church shoes? You know about them church shoes, don't you? And don't mess around and wear them church shoes to some place that was not church. You quickly got reminded, take them shoes off. Those are your church shoes. Amen. You only wore your church shoes. Where? The church. You ain't wear those church shoes shoes anywhere else. So I grew up thinking that I had to dress a certain kind of way because I was going where? The church. And that's okay. I don't get me wrong. That's all right. But it's not better than the person that's in jeans. It's not better than the person that's in shorts. It's not better than a person that's in flops. And let me tell you something. There was no coffee and donuts in the sanctuary. Or oh, you ain't bring nothing up in the sanctuary to eat. The only, the only person that the only people that could get a pass on eating in the sanctuary were people my height. That was about one or two years old. You could that's the only way that you was gonna be able to get away with eating something in the sanctuary. And I guarantee you it was some little crackers or some little some little peanuts or something like that. If you was a baby, you had a pass. If you was over five, you had to wait till service was over. You didn't have no coffee and no donuts. Up in the sanctuary, you ain't bring that up in there. That was borderline, sacrilegious. <laughs> but we do all of that here. <laughs> Amen. Amen. We do all of that here at Lifehouse. And so you so say, well, why? <laughs> why? You know you were surprised when they gave you that donut and coffee and told you go in there, come in here. You know that was, you know, you were surprised. You know when you were surprised. I was too. But why would we do that? Because, you know, we want to move tradition out the way so people can see Jesus. If you move tradition out the way, it makes it easier to be able to see who Jesus is. Let's get the tradition that may represent Jesus out of the way so you can actually see Jesus. Amen, somebody? So Jesus knew what he was facing when he went to talk to this woman in public. So why in the world would he do that? Because he knew that she was worth it. And so are you. Jesus was constantly ridiculed for hanging out with sinners, with the least of these, with the tax collectors, with those people that the Pharisees and Sadducees would never dare even touch or have a conversation with. Why? Because they were sinners and they weren't nowhere near to be by the priest, but the one and only priests, our high priest, that can relate to every single thing that we go to go through. He touched every last one of them. He didn't have an issue with touching a leper. He didn't have an issue with going against tradition if that condition got in a way of saving the life. Romans 5 tells us that God showed us his love that in while we were yet ungodly, Christ died for us. I don't know what the beginning of your story may look like, but how will it end? How will it end? Jesus loves very hard, but he restores gently. Tell your neighbor, I am fully known. And fully love. Now let's move on to the church. The body of believers. those Those of which Christ is the head of. The church is God's plan to bring salvation to the world. But also through which God's kingdom comes and can be seen. What better way to spread the kingdom other than using people, witnesses. Acts 1 and 8 man, it just pops up up here, but not there. But you will also, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. Somebody say witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. This is when Jesus was talking Jesus talks to them and tells them that they will be witnesses. A witness is a person who has the knowledge of an event from personal observation or experience. Amen? And people may say, well, what proof do you have? What proof did you have that Jesus is real? You can turn to that person and say, me. Me, I'm the proof that Jesus is real. I'm the proof that Jesus is alive because he lives in me. Because I used to be ruled by the lust of my own flesh and the desires of my own dark heart. But now, since I met Jesus, I'm no longer the same. This is the very thing that that lady said. And because of what she said, people got saved. Because of what you say, people will also get saved. God is using you and your life and the life change that's happening in you as proof that he is real and that he loves and that redemption and restoration is made available to everybody it is because christ is our savior but also that christ is lord when he reigns in the real estate of our hearts the same way that it was with this lady tell your neighbor i am the proof and not only the proof, but ambassadors representing god and his kingdom you see the gospel impacts who i am but does it impact who I, how I act? And if we're honest, if we're honest here, we all family, right? The two don't always match up. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I mean, we love God, but we don't always get it right. I mean, you know, salvation is instant, but godliness is a process. And yes, we fight sometimes and gossip and am impatient at times and can be selfish. Amen. Amen. And sometimes we cut people off when we're driving with the Jesus bumper sticker on the back of the car. (laughs) Which is why I don't drive with Jesus bumpers on the back of my car. (laughs) Tell your neighbor, say, Neighbor, Neighbor. give give me some grace. I'm still growing. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's these moments when uh, we don't really want people knowing that we even go to church. Uh, much less that we're disciples of Jesus. When You know, when we just not at our best. Uh, it's typically those moments when somebody recognizes you. You know, when you get tagged in a picture holding up the margarita. And then you gotta change your settings because you don't you want to see it before it pop up on your page, and people asking you, "Hey, I didn't know you was at that party. I didn't know you was out there." I was, hey, um, 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 um. But it's at these times that we need the grace and love of God. We need to be reminded that we've been redeemed by Christ. We need to know that it's at these times that we just need to repent, ask for forgiveness, rethink our actions and who we are and and what we should do and then know that we've been forgiven and move on and be restored, amen? Amen. But unfortunately, it's not always the case when we find others at their worst. Such was the case with these church leaders. There's always uh, that we'll talk about in, in a moment. There's always an opportunity to show mercy or judgment. You see, mercy is when you don't get what you deserve. You deserve it, but you don't get it. And judgment is when there's a trial. When we put someone on trial, or we have an opinion about them, or we make a decision about who they are and what should happen to them, or, in fact, if we condemn them. John 8, 1 through 5. says, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. Somebody say caught in adultery. Mm-mm-mm. Placing her in the mist. In the mist means in the front, front, front row, right? So everybody could see her. And they said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in the very act of adultery. Now in, the law, now in the law, Moses commands us to stone such women. But what do you say? This is the big reason why people don't want to come to church. There you go. <laughs> this is a reason why people are skeptical about the church. Or don't want to be a Christian at all see, we have to look at this because it was the Pharisees and the scribes, those that were supposed to be the priest, those that went to God on behalf of the people that brought this woman in and tossed her before Jesus to be executed. They were supposed to go to God on her behalf, but instead they used her sin as an opportunity to try to trap Jesus and, and totally execute this woman. We have to ask ourselves, how are we handling people? What kind of care are we giving people when they are down? It's when people are at their worst that they need love the most. It wasn't when everything was going great in my life that I realized how much God loved me. It was it was afterwards. It was after I had been with God. It was after I had fell off. It was after I had hit rock bottom. It was after I had turned my back on God that I saw God reach way down and still love me. That's when I realized just how much he really truly loved me. It was when everything was going wrong. When it was, I was at my worst that I realized, anybody here know what I'm talking about? You've been at your worst, and God reached way down and loved you and gave you a love that was so unreal that you had no idea how to even respond to it. That is when I realized how much God really truly loved me. And if we're ambassadors of Christ, what do our actions say about who God is, who our Father is, who our Savior is? The scriptures say that they will know that we belong to Christ by the love that we show one another. And if we have freely received this love, then we ought to freely give it. But if our actions are full of condemnation instead of love and mercy, then we communicate that God does not love them because of their sin and because they are broken. But nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing could be further from the truth. We rob them. If we do this, we rob them of the opportunity to experience forgiveness, redemption, and restoration. That very thing that we so-called have claimed to have received. And then we send them in the opposite direction. We have to be careful not to treat people the same way that these Pharisees and these scribes treated this woman. We don't want to be the reason why somebody walks away from Christ, but we want to be the witness. We want to be the tool. We want to be the instrument that God uses, just like the woman at the well, to save a city, to save our family, to save our coworkers. We want to be used by God to bring people to him, not used by the enemy to push people away. Amen? Amen. I know that's right. It was the Pharisees and the Sadducees that brought this woman. Let's let's, let's take a look at this for a second. The scriptures scriptures say that they found her. They they found her. Now, you just don't find somebody in the middle of adultery now, okay? You just don't find that. It's it's not like finding a quarter. You just don't don't find people in the middle of it, right in the middle of it. You You don't find that. And second of all, where's the man at? Where the man at? I don't even know if this is a word, but you can't adulterate by yourself. You can't adulterate by yourself. You just can't do it by yourself. Where is the man at? But they didn't grab the man. They didn't grab the man. They went, how did they to get selective amnesia that quick? Like they just forgot what was going on. We just going to grab her and bring her to Jesus. We're going to leave him where he is. And they was up to something. They was up to something. They disrupted Jesus while he was teaching and brought this woman in here and made her stand in front of everybody, exposed. Somebody say exposed. This is how people feel when they've been caught up in sin or a stronghold and they feel, you feel like every single person knows what you did. This is how it feels when we are at our worst. But what if your worst moments were put up on here on the screen? Yeah. For everybody to see. And popcorn was served. (laughs) Who would stay for the sequel? Not me. My stuff got put up here. I'd be the first one out. (laughs) I would be the first one out. And most of us, would say the same, the same exact thing, and others may be saying, "Well, you know how we do. At least it ain't me." But that ain't good either. You know how you feel when you're speeding, but that person that that was speeding just a little bit more than you was got caught, and then they on the side of the road, and you like, "At least it wasn't me." <laughs> And then you keep going and you thank God. God, I thank you for mercy. God, thank you. And then you just keep going about your business and quickly forget about them because you feeling good that you didn't get caught. Your stuff ain't up there in front of everybody. So you good and go about the rest of your day. Amen. Y'all know what I'm talking about. This is what we have to be careful because that attitude is not good either. We should not look to drag somebody else's stuff, somebody else's dirt out there for everyone to see. Stop. Posting in Facebook and Instagram about stuff that's going on like that. Keep people's business out of the street. And on top of that, nor should we be the receptor of those kinds of things. You put garbage in the garbage can, not in someone's heart to change their opinion about another person. Amen? These things destroy relationships, reputations, and ultimately people. Let's look at verse 5. Let's look at verse 5 and 6. It says here now the law of Mo, now, now in the law, Moses commands us to stone such a woman. But what do you say? This is this it, this they said to test him, that they might have some charge against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. Now, the worst thing about this is that this woman was used as collateral damage. She was Collateral damage to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They didn't care a thing about this woman, but they wanted to use her to entrap Jesus. But Jesus is smart. We can't ever outwit or outsmart God. He's omniscient, God is the creator of all things, He knows the beginning from the end and so he knew how to respond he knew that if he had contradicted them and said and tried to save her life then they would accuse them of being a false prophet and say that he'd gone against the law you can't be sent from God but if he would have said well then this woman should die then they would have been like gotcha Jesus you supposed to save people and you just was the one to say that she should die you trying to take authority from the Romans to kill this woman he knew exactly what it was that they were doing and so he just bent down and just wrote on the ground. We don't know what he wrote on the ground, but many believe that he wrote down the sins of each of her accusers. Now, now right after that, verse 7 and 9 says that, and they and they continued to ask him, and he stood up, I mean, we don't know how long they asked him, but they was getting on his nerves I'm sure. <laughs> Jesus like, I tried to let you go, now you're going to get it. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to cast a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Now, these executions were public, and the witnesses, those that are actually seen it, they were the ones that would actually push the people off of the cliff or the scaffold, and they would be the ones who would actually begin the stoning. They would be the ones that actually would start throwing the rocks, the first rocks that would be thrown at the person until, and then the crowd would participate, because this was, you know, I guess, fun. And then then a person would die. But Jesus looks at them. He says, You who are without sin among you, let the, you cast the first stone. Now, what's interesting about this is that we got to look a little deeper. Surely Jesus wasn't just talking about regular sin, these were the Pharisees. They were the ones that carried out the, all of the, the, the sacrifices and stood before God on behalf of the people. They knew that the, He knew that they already had committed sin. But could it be that Jesus was actually talking about something else? Could it be that, keep in mind that they found, they found this woman. They found the man. But could it be that their conscience was seared because maybe they had done the same thing? Maybe they had done the same thing. So so maybe maybe Jesus really was speaking to the fact that, yes, yes, go ahead and throw the stone at her if you ain't did it yourself. Now, the King James said that their conscience convicted them. And then one by one, starting with the oldest ones, they walked out. Maybe the man that they did not get was one of their boys. And maybe they were going to the familiar place and found somebody at that place before they was there. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, we have to be careful of how we treat people. We don't know what type of condition that people are coming in. But when people come in, they need the love of God. They need to know that God cares and that God loves them. It's terrible when we, as the people of God, Look at people who are in the same condition that we were in and we look down on them as if we ourselves have never done the same thing, as if we've never got our hands dirty, as if our hands are dirty right now and that we, in fact, need the love of God, the same love of God that we somehow think that they don't deserve. We have to be careful to accuse somebody of doing the same thing that we, in fact, ourselves have done. We have to be careful how we look at the single mother. We have to be careful how we look at the addict. We have to be careful how we look at somebody that's caught up in sin and restore such a one with gentleness and meekness considering ourselves because at one point in time, they were us. They were us. So Jesus' response is brilliant. He acknowledges what the law says but also saw the intent of their heart not to honor God or the law and that they were deceptive and that they were looking to to entrap him and they left let's look at verses 10 and 11. Jesus stood up and said to her woman where where are they where'd they go where'd they go where'd they go has no one condemned you it's funny that that The first of you, the one that's among you, you you can be the one to cast the first stone. But she was left with the only one who was without sin. Then he asked her, where are your accusers? She says, no one, Lord. Then Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Go now and sin no more. John 3, 17 tells us that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Come on up, Bam. I don't know where you might be this morning. You may be like this lady, exposed, hoping that nobody sees you, but I want to tell you that God does see you, that you are fully known and fully loved that when there's an opportunity to show mercy or judgment that God does not delight in the judgment but that he delights in mercy James 2 13 tells us that mercy triumphs over judgment it delights the father to show mercy and it's through that mercy, it's through that mercy that we experience the love of God. I know, I know my sins. I know I I know I deserve death. I know I deserve the, cro- the, the cross for the stuff that I done did and for who I have been. But I'm thankful that the encounter that I had with God was not one of judgment but one of mercy. Such that not only I could know who, what it is that Jesus did, but more importantly that I may know who it is that Jesus is. Stand all over the place. It is God's desire that you know who he is yes you got stuff going on we all do but that's why God sent Jesus that he may remove every single obstacle every single hurdle every single ravine anything that would separate us from God God sent Jesus to eliminate it Jesus said I am the way the truth and the light no man cometh unto the father but by me God's not looking to judge he's looking to give mercy and today he calls you not by what you've done but he says come here daughter come here son Then he says, I love you. And when you sit there and you say, how could you love me? Then he points to the cross. I loved you before you did it. Thank you again for joining us on the Lifehouse Newport News Podcast. If you're ever in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love for you to join us at one of our live worship experiences at 9 a.m. or 10 30 a.m. at the Regal Kiln Creek Movie Theaters. Until then, feel free to check us out at www.theaterchurchnn.com or on any social media platform. Thank you so much, and God bless.